Hey visionaries, Chris right here with Royal Realty Group, brokered by eXp Realty. Buying and selling a home can be a stressful process, but we are here to help you throughout the way. Feel free to reach out to us on all social media platforms at Royal Realty Group TX. Now enjoy the show with Cuff and Mo. First of all, shout out to Clarence Carter for, for getting us hooked up. Clarence, how are you, man? C-squared. <laughs> um, so he just calls me one night. He says, hey, uh, I got a guy that y'all need to have on the show. All right, Clarence, sure, go ahead. Um, says so his name's Kevin, runs his own financial capital firm, so on and so Okay, shoot me his number. Let's go. And kudos to you. You answered the phone the next day. And uh, it's been pretty easy, you know, getting you to sit down and, and making it happen. I appreciate it. Yeah, I love doing these things, man. I love, uh, shout, again, shout out to Clarence Carter. Uh, I, I, just, I love communicating and having these conversations, man. And thank you for having me. Oh, no problem at all. So you're a bit of a unicorn, right? <laughs> In the sense of, like, you know, retired baseball player. You know, you play for the New York Yankees, right? First of all, you know, not, not everybody can be a Yankee, as they say. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but... You know, you're the retired athlete who's really doing something cool in the financial space in the sense of, like, you're in charge of your own capital firm. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, so 980s Capital Group is my firm. But oh, what a great name. Absolutely. go there before we go there you want to learn a little bit about my my baseball career you want a little proceed. talk a little bit about that proceed <laughs> well i'm sure you guys know you know uh i used to be a former new york yankee back in 2006 and 2007 um and i, I met a guy downstairs when i was walking up he was a boston fan so that didn't mm -hmm. really, that didn't go over very well <laughs> but uh so yeah new york yankees played with you know the likes of Derek jeter and all those guys alex rodriguez uh, Johnny Damon. I mean, the, the the list goes on and on to the people that were on that team. You know, I was just the additional outfielder. Like I would play probably once a week. You know, I would I would get my shine every now and then. But ultimately, just just just. I, I don't know if you if you if you like live the the life of like Muhammad Ali or the Beatles or traveling and around with these type of people. Well, that's what it was with those. You guys. saw it in real life. Oh my gosh! I mean, flying in at two a.m. in the morning landing getting to the hotel and having people outside saying hey kevin i'm like i, I don't even play but thank you you know <laughs> what i mean so so man it, it's incredible man it was a traveling uh, rock star status man it was great so uh, since you opened the door i'll walk right through it yeah. um they're they're doing a documentary on jeter mm -hmm. uh, on espn plus or whatever you know espn 1000 all the networks they got mm -hmm. What made what made him so different, right? Like, I mean, obviously, there's a certain level of talent and skill, but what what made him so different compared to everybody else? Well, I'll tell you guys a quick little Jeter story. How's that sound? So the ones you can talk about on camera. Yeah, ones I can talk about on on, on camera. Yeah, I don't want to shout out my man's business, but uh, so he's one of the first guys. Him and Sheffield, Gary Sheffield, at the time, they kind of took me to the, took me under their wings, and um, I, I I can't thank him enough, man. Derek Jeter took me to his house. Let me hang out with them, fed me, like talked to me. Like we hung out probably after every other game, every other home game. Uh, he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal dude, man. I, I, 
a, a guy that literally didn't take himself too seriously. And, and you don't see that when you're making a twenty thirty million dollars a year and you're just not taking yourself that seriously toast of the town oh my at god what, at what 22 23 years old or oh my like god that? so he he we would always go after the game back to his house back to his apartment quote unquote in, in new york and um he said <clears throat> everybody's like hey you going out tonight he's like no i never go out i'm like what's wrong he says i can't i can't go out is somebody's gonna see me somebody's gonna say this somebody's gonna do all this stuff I said, what do you do? He says, well, I just go downstairs. I, I have this bar downstairs. Like the, uh, the people keep the bar open downstairs of, of the hotel, <laughs> uh, of his apartment complex. And he invites everybody over. We just sit around and talk and have a good time. And that's what we did after the games is go back to the spot. He brought the party to him. Brought the party to him, man. It was, it was phenomenal. Great. So, so from a player standpoint, what separated him, right? Because, and I'm not the biggest baseball fan, right? Like I, I watched him in the playoffs. But yeah. to me, it doesn't seem like he wasn't like the most physically gifted guy. But – he was a playmaker. What like what separated him? You know what? I'm not the biggest baseball fan either, to be honest with you, just to be 100%, 100% honest. But um, honestly, he just it's just that it thing. Like I don't you can't explain it. Like some people have that it thing. Like for example, there's a guy that I played with named Andrew McCutcheon. He was with the Pirates for a while. I think he's with the Brewers now. But that guy had that it factor. Like you know what you're talking about when when I could, just get it it just has it like you can't explain it it just is what it is and he has that it factor but the thing about sports and this is one thing i've learned is that only one or two percent of the people are like Derek jeter the michael jordan the lebron james's the wayne gretzky's like this that's the 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 creme de la creme everybody else in sports is the same guy believe it or not everybody else in sports is the same guy and the only thing that makes the difference between that guy being known and that guy being a guy working at joe's shoes mm -hmm. is an opportunity that's the only thing that's the difference talent may be a difference here and there but if you give a guy let's just say like you can have two of the same guys you gave one guy an opportunity to he goes and shines. He gets the five-year, $25, 30000000 million contract. He's on ESPN every other night. Mm -hmm. Then you have that same guy that doesn't get that opportunity, and he's out of the game. Because he's buried in, under a roster somewhere. Buried, buried in somebody's ro roster, buried in somebody's uh, organization. And it's just, it's just someone giving you an opportunity that changes your life at, at a point certain. There's, there's only one or two one or two percent of the league is a Derek Jeter or a – or like, uh, who's the guy from, from the Angels now? Mike Trout. Uh, Mike Trout, right? That's 1% of the league. But everybody else is just, oh, you're just, you're, you were just an opportunity because someone, someone gave you that opportunity. Or someone liked you enough to give you that opportunity. That's the only thing that separates most of the guys. Wow. Okay, so you live the life. You get to see Jeter, A-Rod, Johnny Damon, who I was a big fan of. Uh, you get to see this. <laughs> Johnny Damon is the greatest the funniest guy in the world. Man. I've heard. I've funniest heard. guy in the world. And, and, and so let me, let me tell you this story before we go further, right? Go ahead. <clears throat> so it was after one of our day games. And it's not a Johnny Damon story. This is a Derek Jeter story. It was one of, after one of our day games. And after that day game, um, Jesus, says, hey, Kevin, get in the car with me. I'll, we'll, we'll, I'll take you back or whatever. So we're in the car. And, 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 and <clears throat> we're sitting at, in the parking lot, bumper to bumper traffic. Bumper to bumper traffic. No one's moving anywhere. We're like, damn, this is crazy, man. So G just says, ah, oh, screw this. Starts going the wrong way, up on curves, uh, uh, just, just driving crazy. I'm like, oh, crap. The cop stops and says, hey, sees it's Derek Jeter, 
Come on. Tells us to come on down. <laughs> Radios ahead. Tells us where to go to get around the traffic. I said, this is Bruce Wayne, right? This is Batman. It's <laughs> American Batman. In right? the flesh. In the flesh, man. That's the kind of power that guy had over that city. Man, it was great, man. So you 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 get to experience all this, right? And I'm and I'm going to the space of like we've all seen, you know, specials on athletes going broke, you know, guys not be able to handle money. Mm. Just we we've seen that story over and over again. Mm. And then, you know, the guys who are quote unquote doing well, you look up there like they're they're pitchmen, they're endorsing mm. this, endorsing mm. that. But you're a bit different in the sense of like you run your own financial firm essentially. Yes, like yes. there are not a lot of you walking around, if you will. Like one, what's the what's the inspiration or the motivation behind that? Like when you when you knew your time in the game was coming to an end, like you could have said, Oh, okay, I w- you know, I wanna be a coach, I wanna still be involved, and then you know, obviously like you said, you don't love it like that. So mm. how did you what says, Hey Kevin, let's get into this space? Well, by the way, I'm gonna give a shout out to my father's. This is a phenomenal cigar. Hey, I, I bought another one, it's in my pack over <laughs> La, there. La Bramisa. Yeah, I, I, That's the exact I, one I bought. Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal stick. Um so I'll tell you a quick little story about that. And by the way, it is in my book. I wrote a book, MLB to CFP, which is on Apple Books right now. Uh, shameless plug. But uh, it's, it's, uh, it, this story is in my book. So in 2009, uh, 2008, I was sent over to uh, – oh, back up. 2006, 2007 with the Yankees. 2007, 2008, I was with the Yankees. But then I got sent over to the Oakland A's to finish the season in 2007. Uh, and then in 2007-2008, uh, Oakland A's designated me for assignment. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Pirates picked me up. So when I was with Pittsburgh, I decided to uh, have uh, a group called the Stanford Group manage my money. Okay. Now, if you're not familiar with the Stanford Group, it's, called, it's, called, it's managed by Alan Stanford. And we'll, we'll get into the, why he's such a bad guy here in a second. <laughs> so Alan Stanford, these guys, uh, the advisors at his firm were managing my money, all gravy. I, w- I fell in love with the stock market then. I, I just said, man, I want to know what's going on. You guys have these, you guys have these, uh, these, these famous uh, economists come in. I want to learn everything about it. So they gave me books. They helped me learn, which is great. 2008, I, I tore tendon in my wrist when I was with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. They designated me for assignment, so I was no longer in, in organized baseball at the time. I was, waiting, I was trying to rehab and get myself back. So in 2008, I, I, as I was trying to come back, I, I, I got picked up by a, a small independent team just trying to rehab myself back, the Newark Bears. While I was with the Newark Bears one game, I, I, I noticed that when I was watching CNBC, I used to watch it like it was, like it was a religion, okay. right? Um, Alan Stanford was being ushered out of his um, his his place out of his place in handcuffs oh wow he's being ushered out and i called my advisor immediately and i said what in the hell is going on this is absolutely crazy right so i he said we don't know what's going on we have to get we have to uh, reach back out to you and um and we'll, we'll, we'll let you know what's going on a couple days later he said hey this this whole thing that we thought we were investing in was a ponzi scheme oh now, now, fortunately, the money that I had was not inside of the Antiguan CDs that was being sold uh, through the Stanford company. My money was being in- invested in uh, actual investments. Okay. But what happens is your company or your, your, your assets are frozen by the state administrator. So when your assets are frozen... when everyone's dirty. Yeah, yeah. At this point... The state administrator says, I don't care if you're in the Ponzi scheme or not in the Ponzi scheme. We're basically going to come in and shut everything down and we're going to investigate. 
Okay. So all your money is basically frozen. So all my money I had was basically frozen with this company. I had no access to it. So now I'm at home. Uh, I, I decided to, to stop playing for a while and go back home and take care of the family. Now I'm at home. I'm, I'm trying to get myself right, and I don't have any. I don't have any money. You know, so what really, I mean? all your money was locked up. Ah, exactly. So, fortunately, being a little bit smart, I had some money on the side to take care of myself. But my my main money was actually just being frozen. It was just frozen. So six, to, I think it was six to nine months later, they finally get through the process. They unfreeze everything to get my money back. But if you guys are familiar with what happened in 2008, 2009, the stock market was down just a little bit, right? Just a hair. <laughs> just, just a, a hair, hair. Just a hair, right? So I get all my money back, basically down half, half price, you know? Ooh. So I'm, I'm, I told myself, I said, you know what? This is never going to happen to me again. I'm going, I'm going to go finish my degree while I'm getting, while I'm getting myself right. So I enrolled in the University of Texas uh, in Arlington in, the, in, the fi- in finance. I never looked back, man. I said, you know what? Baseball may be there. I may try to get back, but I, I think I have a, better, a bigger purpose at this point because this happened for a reason. So I finished my degree back in 2011, and I, I just haven't looked back, man. Uh, just, just, that's the reason why I'm in the industry today is because of that one instance. So – Obviously, your introduction to Stanford Group, they, they, they struck a nerve and you found like your true love as far yeah. as finance and, yeah. and money management numbers, right? But when did you know it was going to work, right? Like you decided, okay, I'm putting down baseball. Like you, you're just kind of like, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But when did you, when did you know for a fact, like, okay, this is actually going to work, Kevin? Um, because, so that's, that's a good thing. That's a good point right there. It's, it's not the fact that you know it's going to work. It just has to, right? It's one of those things that's saying, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. And, and all my life, it's, it, I know if I put my mind to something, it's going to work out. I've always been that guy, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I've always been that guy that's saying, I can make something happen. And even on the baseball field, I, I, I knew that I could, I could, if you put me in a situation, I could make something happen. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm any different or special than anybody else, but I, I feel like you just, you just give me an opportunity in any part of life, I can make that work. I can make... Uh, you know, lemonade like lemons turn into lemonade, but that lemonade has a little vodka in it, maybe or something mm. like that. I can I can make a I can make things happen, man. And and I've always felt that way. And and with my firm now, Nineties Capital Group, we're managing about thirty three million dollars of assets under management. We've been officially a business for about three and a half years now. And uh, yeah, man, it's just I, j- I just enjoy what I do, man. And and the and the moral of the story is that I just I, I just don't trust the industry in itself. I mean, you've, you've probably heard this, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley, Edward Jones. I'm not, throwing name, I'm not trying to throw names under the bus, but discrimination lawsuits on African-Americans. You got all these different things out there. Wells Fargo uh, 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 rejecting home loans on African-Americans. I'm not trying to make this a, a, a racial thing or anything like that. No, but it, you're, but, just, but, you're just very aware of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, it's like it's, it's, it, I'm tired of all of that, first and foremost, but I'm also tired of the industry that I'm in right now where I'm a, I'm a certified financial planner. And when I looked at the numbers last, it's like 1600 of, of them being African-American out of 90,000. Oh, wow. So, so we're like 1.8%. So it's, it's this, the, these things, like if we want to change the direction of, 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 of my culture, of my community, I have to do things to put, put ourselves in a better situation moving forward. And that, and that's, that's also a reason why um, I'm doing what I'm doing. Trying, trying to put myself in a better situation to, to not only help myself, but help the community that, that I serve. I wasn't going to touch on it, but you, 
you look like you said barely one percent. Mm-hmm. So how does how does Kevin Thompson how, how how does Kevin Thompson, for lack of a better term, pitch his services? Right, like I'm, I'm sure once you kind of get things rolling, you you know call your your former teammates like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm into this now. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't 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 go down the same road I went. Yeah. So how do you go about like, hey, here's what I'm able to do for you guys. How does yeah. how does that work? Well, a lot of it started with uh, I was fortunate enough to get on with a firm and and help them build their business, right? So I helped this firm in Fort Worth, not gonna name any names, but I helped this firm in Fort Worth build their business and fortunately some of their some of those clients and my own personal clients that I brought over uh, knew, saw the way that I work. One thing I'll say is this, I don't know everything and I'll admit that I don't know everything, but what I'll do is I'll work my ass off to find out. Harder, harder than anyone else. You know what I mean? My, my whole, the, the reason I made it to the big leagues is because, not because I'm more talented. Yeah, I could run. I could run really fast. I could throw really hard. I can do all these things. I was a really good baseball player, but I wasn't, no, I was a, I was a really good athlete, but I wasn't a good baseball player. Gotcha. I could, only thing I could do really well at baseball is really, is hit. I, I love to hit. But, but all the other parts of the game, I was like, ah, oh, defense, all the other stuff. It's not my thing. But at the end of the day, I, 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 I'm a worker. And the same thing goes for my business. I'm a worker. I will outwork anyone. To, to it's almost like the Kobe Bryant, the the mama mentality, right? Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in that gym longer than you. Yeah, like you, if I show, if I see you show up, I'm like, okay, well, I'm I'm gonna stay in this gym longer than you. You're gonna leave before I do. And that's that's the reason why I, I studied for my CFP. I knocked it out in almost barely a little bit over a year, and then and, and and worked on the CFA. And I know I'm still kind of working on that, but just. All the things that I do is, 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 is to progress the business and bring in on other advisors to help them grow, like the advisors I'm bringing on in my firm currently right now. It's a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. So certified financial planner, you mm-hmm. get the baseball background. Mm-hmm. When you start, I don't use the term like taking clients or whatnot, mm-hmm. but you start to grow. And this being the vision lab, mm-hmm. as you kind of start this journey, what was your original or initial vision? And there's a backdoor question. There's backdoor question mm-hmm. okay. to proceed. Well, so my, my original vision of, of 980s Capital is, is to grow this firm and then grow other, not just African-American advisors, which I would love to be a black-owned African-American advisor firm because we need more of that, but grow this firm, grow it into a, a $100 million, $500 million, a billion-dollar firm, and eventually... Like when you guys turn on the TV at CNBC or Bloomberg, you can see a guy like myself talking on the screen. Right now, you don't see many of us talking on the screen, having conversations about economics and finance because we're just not, we're just not in that world as much. And I, I want to, us to have a more of a presence because just like we have a presence when we watch the NBA, mm-hmm. just like we have a presence when we watch the NFL, we need that same presence in those boardrooms, those, that same presence in on, on those TV channels to give our to give our community the 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 experience of like hey I want to do that I want to be like that guy you know how hard is it to, how hard is it to get into those boardrooms I mean you you've lived in New York City you Stanford group like you've seen finance at the highest level yeah so besides you know having the the startup of the working capital if you will mm-hmm. what's what's the the big hurdle to clear to get to some of those boardrooms you're talking about it's just knowledge um, like for example. Like what happened in the pandemic, t- taking, uh, talking about whether it be EIDL or t- some of the government interventions, just having the knowledge and, and the wherewithal to know how to do the things right to take care of your business, to keep your business afloat. 
And honestly, it's just about connections, connections, connectivity. Everything you do in this life is about a connection. You don't know who you're going to see any given day because there's always a possibility of a connection that can be made. And that person that has that connection, that when you connect to them, has connections to other people. It's like a web, right? And, and you, that right there, just, just really focus on the connections and really try to broaden your horizon. And that, that's how you basically grow your business, grow your book. So some people would say you're describing networking, but mm-hmm. I like the word connection and mm-hmm. connecting because mm-hmm. the industry I'm in, like it's con- connection, connecting and connections is, is literally, it's the lifeline of everything, right? It's, it's the lifeline of business. It's the lifeline of business. If you're not, you can't make money sitting at home watching TV. Business, real people who make money really probably don't watch that much TV. They probably make, watch a little when they get home late at night. But at the end of the day, they're out making connections. People, if they're going to give you money, they have to know who you are. And they're not going to know who you are if you're just not out and about and having, having conversations. Whether it be with um, some of your political action figures. Uh, I was going to say committees. But politi- political uh, people here in the, in the network, in the area. Or just people that smoking cigars, right? I mean, people who smoke cigars have money. <laughs> right that's why i hang disposable out disposable income yeah, exactly that's why i hang out at a lot of cigar lounges that's a good it's a good spot for me but yeah man um it's just about making having conversations man and and, and really focusing on listening one thing i will say about business is that it's not it's not about talking it's more about listening oh my gosh it's 100 percent listening so you being one of very very few in your space do mm-hmm. you kind of embrace because i'm sure you've been in rooms where there's only one of you in the room mm-hmm. and i'm i tell this story story all the time like mm-hmm. i I'll, I'll go to a firm and we'll sit down and we'll start talking about stuff and you know they don't know me from adam and yeah. they just know like hey he might have something in his pocket we might want to do business with him and yeah. then i walk in and it's like who the hell is this guy you can tell but yeah. then i start talking yeah and it's like oh we need to shut up and listen yes, yes. and so from your standpoint when you walk in I'm sure you kind of feel like, oh, okay, what, what does this guy know? But then you start talking. Like, can you describe that feeling? Yeah, so I'm used to that feeling, right? Um, so you guys may not know this, but in baseball, um, I'm going to ask you this question. Go ahead. What's the percentage of African Americans in baseball? What do you think? Oh, it's super small. That's why they're always. It's like six to eight percent. Yeah, that's why every time Jackie Robinson Day comes up, they're always you know trying to push it, push it, and all the different programs like you know uh, trying to get back into urban areas and all this stuff. Yeah, so it's super small. But there's there's a reason for all that. We we can can get into if you want to, but uh, there there are no boundaries on this show. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get into it here in a second. (laughs) But so just like baseball, there's not there's not a lot of me in any of those rooms, right? Um, so and now I'm in another world where where I'm, I'm fighting that battle, and maybe it's something that's ingrained in me that likes to fight, you know. Like I, I literally like to like to see the problems and to, and root them out and, and and expose problems in organizations. I don't know if it's something. That's, well, you got an athletic background, so you don't have a problem with conflict either. And that's 100. That's what yeah, it is. No problem with conflict. 100. percent That's exactly what it is, man. And um, just just really rooting out all the the things that can possibly happen, and just focusing on just really so when i go into those rooms right and and it it, it, it gets so I, I, can, I guess i can talk about one so so there's there's a there's a firm downtown well not downtown it's kind of near in, in, in near the uh ridgemar ridgemar mall are you familiar with that area well, we don't have to expose them but okay okay, okay. You're good. that the, the that the area and 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 i was invited to one of their to one of their uh festivities right 
And we, I go in there and I'm the only one of me in there. And it's like, it's almost like I have to be a chameleon. And, and that, the, the world of, uh, the world of where, how you dress, how you talk, how, how you walk and all the other things. It, you, you have to really know your environment and, and really, I guess, be a chameleon in that environment. And that's, and that's what I do. But, but in regards to, to what I do in those environments is just be yourself and, 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 and let people know that, hey, man, I'm not, I'm not one to play with. I know what I'm talking about. I know, I know what I'm doing. And it's, you just got to trust in me. It's the fine line of, like you said, of understanding the room. Mm-hmm. There's also an element of understanding who you are in the room. And there is also understanding of how you actually can move around in the room. Because like you said, mm-hmm. I'm equipped with all the knowledge, right? Yes. Like you have a conversation that's very evident. Like I, I, I can get stuff done, mm-hmm. but you got to understand who you're next to. Oh, my God. You got to understand you, when you walk in, you understand the temperature of the room. And like, okay, when I walk in, has the temperature gone up? Has it gone down? Like what's the tenor? You kind of got to be able to feel things out before you start actually moving around. I, and I think that's, that's, a, um, that's something that, that's ingrained in us. If I, if I can say that, because <laughs> uh, we because we we've grown up like that. I've grown up like that, right? I've grown up to the point where it's just it's a constant reading of where I'm at and and trying to make sure that I'm 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 trying to make the room comfortable and 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 then when it when it, when it's time then I can, I'll start operating. I can start operating exactly. So I'm not gonna let you pass it. Mm-hmm. Jackie Robinson, like I say, every time we have Jackie Robinson Day, it's you know gigantic initiative by MLB. And you said there's a reason behind the, the, these initiatives. And, I mean, you know, Cuff and I have got athletic backgrounds. I mean, you see it. Part of it is just the economics of it, right? Okay. Like, why, why pay an American player, you know, 80, 90 cents on a dollar when we can go to, you know, Latin country X mm-hmm. and, you know, where they're playing with, you know, a cardboard box and a, and a broomstick and we can get them for 30 or 40 cents on the dollar. So you hit the nail on the head. So in my book, you know, MLB to CFP, which is on the Apple Books right now, shameless plug. I want a copy. Okay. So and you just got to go to Apple Books and just okay. download it. But uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that, that's the first part. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to these other countries. You're, you're building all these facilities in these other countries and you can get a... You can get, let's just say, you can get ten players, and you may have to pay one of them, and and or just make it a bigger number. So you get a hundred players, you pay one of them, and then out of that hundred players, you may have a larger percent, maybe three or four percent of them that actually pan out and make it to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Versus for that same amount of money, you can get ten players, ten ten, ten African American players, and say none of them, none of them make it because they have lower percentages, right? Because you only have ten, and that's basic. It's basic economics about baseball. So that's part one. Part two is that, well, let's be honest, baseball's boring. I'm not gonna sit here and, and sugarcoat it. Yeah, you gotta love it. Yeah, you, got, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. I wasn't a baseball fan when I was a kid. I was not a baseball fan. I didn't become a baseball fan until I started playing when I was like 11 years old. And then you had Ken Griffey Jr., Ozzie Smith, and all those guys. I was like, oh, look at all these faces. And back in the days, and I got this in my book, by the way, <clears throat> We had almost 23% uh, uh, representation in baseball yeah, in the, the 80s. The Griffies, with Barry Larkin. All that, man. Cecil Fielder, Bonds. It was crazy. Frank Thomas. Yeah, oh, pitchers, I remember them. Pitchers up and, down, up and down, Dave Stewart, all these guys. And I really started enjoying it. But baseball's competing with basketball. But now, you, but with basketball, what? You got to be 6'7". I mean, it was not, not too many 5'10 guys like myself in the league. Let's right. just call it what it is. Uh, football, you know, you, you're competing with that. And, and then you have basketball. But now, guess what? I am a soccer fan now. I'm a Liverpool guy. I can speak to that. Yeah, I'm a Liverpool guy. We did have a conversation like, I'm so sorry, my favorite team was playing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so now you have MLS actually putting money into the game. 
actually putting some serious money into the game. There's a lot of teams in the United States and a lot of clubs around here. So that's something that the MLB is going to have to consider because guess what? There's, you don't have to be any kind of size in soccer. I can be any, I can be 5'3", 5'5". You just got to be in shape. Messi's 5'5". Five, five. You just got to be in shape. The greatest survive. soccer player <laughs> on the planet right now, quote-unquote, is 5'5". Five, five. Salah's like 5'8". So I don't have to be five, six foot seven and try to dunk. I can just be speedy. I can do all these things. So, so they, they, have, they have a real big issue coming up with soccer. I'm telling you. But then the third thing I'm going to say, so back in 1995, and this is not political, by the way. Back in 1995, was it the Drug Enforcement Act or was the, is it criminal, criminal? I can't remember the name of this in my book, but I can't remember the name right offhand. So, so President Clinton passed the, uh, the, this act. And it started locking up African-American men uh, uh, by the droves, which left a lot of kids without, without, without dads. Baseball kids need baseball dads. That's true. Because a single mother, it's hard, it's hard, to, play, hard to be a single mother playing baseball. You don't, see, you don't see a lot of that. You see it in basketball. You see it in football. But you don't see it a lot in baseball. A lot of these African-American kids that are playing baseball co- come from two-parent homes. So when that happened, it destroyed the 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 the, the pipeline. The, got the cut pipeline. Off. The pipeline basically got cut off, and that's why you saw the numbers ever since then in baseball go drastically down. Hey everyone, Edwina Brown here, owner operator of Blowing Smoke Cigar Lounge. We're located at 1604 North Interstate 35E in Lancaster, Texas. We would love for you to come see us. We stand on the three C's, which are cigars, our community, and our culture. Cigars, we have over 300 SKUs in our humidor and it's still growing. Come check it out, a massive humidor. We also love our culture here, which we're about customer service, as well as community, which is why we're excited to partner with the Vision Lab Podcast. So come check us out. So if I made you commissioner for for a couple of weeks because it's not an enviable job, mm-hmm. what would you do to 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 stem the tide or at least turn things around? Mm. I don't know if you can at this point. I don't think you can. First and foremost, you you like I told you guys about Andrew McCutcheon, right? Or did you know who he was? I know exactly who it is. Okay, perfect. So, but then uh, most people probably don't, and it's like it's unfortunate because at the time of his stardom, superstardom. His face should have been all, if you wanted to get the black people, the black person's face, his face should have been everywhere on every screen to get people's interest into the game. And it wasn't. Was that part of the fact that it was his prime Pittsburgh? Yeah, Pittsburgh. Yes, yeah, small market. Yeah, I get that too. You're absolutely right. But at the end of the day, if they, if they want to do something, well, Anaheim Angels, I mean. But it's still on. considered L.A. I mean, yeah, those I live in you. California know there's a difference between Anaheim and L.A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. to the to the to the knob is like, oh, it's all L.A. Because even true. now, aren't they what the, the the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim or how they phrase it? True. Or I don't know. They got so many so many different damn names these days. I don't know what's going on. But uh, yeah, it's just that you have to. If I I don't think you can, man, because I think the game is too slow for a lot of these kids at this point, and I just think that there's there's other other things that people that kids can do. I mean. The reality is, like, you bat once, and you have to go sit in that outfield. I'm not making it a – it's not a bad deal, but it's just – It's the truth. It's just the truth, man. Like, I just – I just like, I literally didn't like it until I hit my first home run. How I didn't you, fall in love with baseball until I hit my first home run when I was a kid. How are you introduced to the game? Uh, it was, so, my buddy uh, that used to live on my street, all my buddies, like, after football season, I didn't have anything to do, right? So, 
They were like, hey, why don't you come up here and play baseball in this rec league? I was like, nah, I ain't doing that crap, man. You can't, you can't hit anybody. You know, what's the point of that? I ain't, I'm going to tackle somebody. He said, no, man. Go. So I used to go up to the cages and hit in the softball machine. Like, I would just go up there when they were, when they were practicing. I would just go up there hitting the softball machine. And then one day, like, just come try out. So I went out there, tried out, whatever. I didn't, I don't know if I did well or didn't, didn't do well at all, but. I just I started playing in this rec league in Benbrook, Texas. Okay. And I was 11, 10 or 11 years old. It was the second year of what they call Mustang. So I, I was just playing. I wasn't really having much fun with it until I hit my first home run. And you were hooked. When I hit my first home run, it was like a drug, man. And after that, <laughs> that's all she wrote, man. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get enough of it, man. I couldn't get enough of it. So... <laughs> So and, and I'm laughing because you hear all these stories of guys who make the league like they dedicate everything mm-hmm. like they from the time they're five six years old and they can pick up yeah. a bat every yeah. waking moment of their childhood yeah. is spent towards playing baseball and you on a whim yeah lo and behold yeah. like oh I'm good enough to make it in the major leagues I'm good enough to well play it, it, it wasn't that it's just I had I had athletic ability right and and then when I knew I had athletic ability teams started coming after me like select teams and all this other stuff. But I guess it is about your 10,000 hours. You read that book, I'm assuming, right? The 10, oh, I haven't hours. read the book, but I'm very aware of the concept. Yeah, yeah 10,000 hours. You put your 10,000 hours in, you become a master or something. But yeah, man, um, I, I literally, like, I'm the type of guy, like, do you know, like, like Kobe, like Kobe was, he, like, he would be sitting right here, he'd be bouncing the ball right now. He'd be, like, working on something while he's mm-hmm. talking to you. It's, it's the same thing. I, I'd have a bat in my hand, and I'd be doing all these kind of things in the middle of the night. Cause I, I love the hit so much. I loved, so once you got hooked, you were all in. I was all in. I was all in. Yeah, absolutely all in. So rec, rec, rec league baseball turns into a career in the major leagues. Well, so I, I got invited to play on some select teams here in the area. I did well with those teams. And then finally went to high school with Western Hills High School. Shout out to the Cougars. And I, there's a friend of mine named Jason Alfaro. I didn't know how good I actually was. I really didn't. I, people were saying I was good, but I didn't know. You were still just buying your time to football season. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. My freshman year, my freshman year. Well, I tell you this funny story. So, I love. I used to love football, man. I mean, I used to. I used to love football. But in middle school, this one coach came to me and said, uh, "You know, next year you'll, you'll be in the seventh grade. You'll try for the football team." I was like, "Okay, yeah, of course. I got you. Whatever." So I go out there. He wanted me to be quarterback, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, you know, we don't throw the ball." I'm just going to be handing the ball off to this guy. Why not just make me running back? You know, this, this, this doesn't make any sense. I'm never going to touch the ball. I'm just going to touch it and give it to somebody. It's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're not going to be quarterback, you know, you got you to quit, quit being like that. Why don't you go over there to play, hang out with the tight ends? I said, I can do, I'll do you one better. <laughs> I took my stuff off and walked off the field. <laughs> so I ain't got time for this stuff, man. I, got, I, I can go play baseball. So that's what I did. I, I just dedicated the rest of it to baseball. I started playing football again back in high school. I was on varsity as a freshman. But – uh, Stop playing my freshman year because uh, uh, we're playing over here. I'm not sure if you're familiar at, at uh, Farrington Field. Yep, very familiar. And my buddy uh, Odie Wyatt was was beating uh, beating our butts, man. They're beating us up, and he tore his knee up real bad. And I was like, I'm gonna go, I'm just gonna go play baseball, guys. I'm out of here. <laughs> so the last time I played football was uh, that year in my ninth grade, and I and uh, I went and played baseball ever since. But yeah, my buddy Jason Alfaro, back to that story. Jason Alfaro was telling me, man, you're, you're really good at this game. You can, you can, you can make it to the big leagues. I said, what, is, like, what do you mean? He said, dude, like I said, I, 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 can, I can tell you have the ability. So that, that day, him and I would work, would practice every single day. It could be 1030 at night. We would say, let's go hit. 
we get to the car, we go down the field, we go hit. And to be honest with you, I think that, that got, kept, us, kept me out of trouble. And it's just something I would do every single day, man, like it was a religion. So let me switch gears, if you will, right? Because mm-hmm. this is the, back, the backdrop of this show. This is a growth mindset podcast. Gotcha. You spend all this time. Once you get hooked, you, you, you completely commit in, and dedicate yourself to baseball. Yeah. Then, you know, you, your career, you, you know, Alan Stanford, you, you know, you, 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 I'm sure you did crash course on all things, stocks, investments. All oh, I'm sure you God. just crushed as many books as you could. Man, every, it's, it's, it's a religion, man. It's like people laugh at me. I said, I don't watch anything but Bloomberg and CNBC. Like, there's movies and stuff I watch, but if I'm watching TV, like when I get home tonight, I'm going to go on my patio, turn on Bloomberg, see what's going on. It's just, it's nothing but that because information is king and I, and, and I need to have the information so I can talk to people and have rational conversations about, so like for example, I mean, today the market was down 1,000 points, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like having conversations on why that's happening. Uh, what's next? What, what, what's the expectation? What's going to happen with interest rates moving forward? Uh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Fed raised another, another half point yesterday. Yeah, half point, and, and, and people are scared that you know inflation's coming, and, and are they going to are they going to have enough in the quiver to, to make sure that inflation doesn't happen while keeping us out of recession? Well, my philosophy on recession, and I know people may 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 look at me crazy when I say this, a recession is a normal part of the economic cycle. Get over it. They come and they go. What happens after recession? Oh. The, market, the, the, the economy starts getting better. So let's just have it and let's keep it going, man. Well, here's a question, right, from you know, my novice you know, understanding of economics and, and just markets, right? Mm-hmm. Is it a recession or is there things going back to the norm? Mm, that's a great question. So maybe the, the, the Fed actually overinflated markets with stimulus and now it's going back to the, the quote unquote the mean mm-hmm. where it should be versus where it was. You have, a, you have a point there. So if you look at, I don't want to get too, too nerdy on you guys right now, forgive me, but right now S&P earnings are around 18 times forward earnings, which means that uh, they put an 18 times multiple on, on the price to earnings, the, the, the price of the S&P, which is roughly around $225. So if you look at that, they put you at a price on the S&P. So right now, we're 18 times. Should we be around the historical mean of about 15, 16 times? We're getting close to that. We were at 23 before this last dip. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this, we're getting closer to the mean, and this is where we should be. So let me simplify then for, mm-hmm. for those out there who are not as well-versed as you are. <laughs> Sorry about no, that. No, it's okay. It's okay. But watch this. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, the Fed raising interest rates, you know, another half point. Mm-hmm. So people were about their houses, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people, you know, are we because are we, the, the real estate market is crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the people out there who God bless them sign those those armed mortgages. I don't know why you would do that, but there are people out there who, who are doing it. Yeah. What do you see for housing foresee? Excuse me. What do you foresee happening with just the housing market? Are we headed for a full blown collapse or is it going to make get people to where like, hey, you're going to start having a little real, live realistically again? Collapse. No. Um uh, prices will come down eventually because demand will. The, the, the Fed's job is to tamp down demand, and with rising interest rates, they're kind of cooling the housing market, cooling, cooling down demand, which will bring down housing prices, which will hopefully bring down commodity prices, which will until we bring down all the other inputs to all these different commodities, will ultimately bring down inflation. So. In a nutshell, I don't think it's going to collapse. It's not 2008. Mm-hmm. Let's just make it clear. It's not 2008, 2009. Because why is it different? Well, because financial institutions are flush with cash. And those banks, which are the heart and soul of our, of our economy, aren't going to go anywhere. So 
our economy is not going to experience a 2008, 2009, so we can kind of wash that away. But with the housing market, it is a little hot right now, so the Fed raising interest rates will tamp down inflation, or will tamp down uh, demand, which will hopefully bring down housing prices just a bit to cool off the economy just a little bit. Is it, this is my theory. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not an economist. Mm -hmm. This is my theory. Being in it and working on projects, mm -hmm. and the people talking about, you know, the, the cost to build a house is up, right? Mm -hmm. All is the inputs, it, yeah. Is it, is it the cost to build a house or is it the cost to actually transport the materials to build the house? All the above. Really? It's all the above. So think about this. So the, the, the lumber prices skyrocketed in the commodities market. Yes, they did. And, they, they, and there's a couple of reasons for that, if you want me to tell you a little bit about that. So, so the reasons for that is, Bill, and it's not political. So um, there were some, uh, t there's tariffs, the Canadian tariffs from, from, from the current, the, the former administration. And there was also a couple of plants that, sh that were shut down due to the pandemic in Canada that made a lot of the wood. So with that being said, prices had to kind of find their supply and demand, their price. And that's why you're seeing a lot of the, the pricing on a lot of these, especially lumber, because we get a lot of lumber from Canada uh, to, to, f to feed the, to build the houses. Now, prices on, on oil and gas went up. So now the inputs for diesel, Diesel up in the Northeast, which is a lot of the where the diesel lies, uh, there's there's been a, a a small supply of that. So therefore, of course, prices have to correct. Prices go up. Now the transportation costs go up. Therefore, transportation inputs go up. The the pricing of the lumber they deliver is gonna have to go up. It's just a it's just a vicious cycle right now, man. And that's what you're seeing. Everything has to has to basically correct itself. And 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 that's what the Fed's trying to do. They're saying, you know what, demand is still high. But supply is really low. We need to we need we need to cut demand to, so it, so supply can bring, catch up. Bring them back on some other even even. Yeah, field. so you can get price down, and that's what they're trying to do to get price down. All right, let's be in the vision lab, right? Mm -hmm. When I say the word vision, what comes to mind? Vision, um, growth, man, growth, especially for me. Growing my business, ninety years capital group is just. I'm trying to. I, ha I have a vision to build something to where, like I see myself having five, six, maybe 10 people show up to an event, all suited and booted, right? All successful, all making money, helping people change their lives generationally, showing them exactly what that looks like. Having strong individuals not only create li better lives for themselves, but better lives for their family, and them creating better lives for their family can change our, ch change the way uh, for my community, change our, 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 our futures, man. And I just, we, we have so many, like I just got to read in the book, Where Do We Go From Here by Dr. Martin Luther King. It was, it was uh, transcri transcribed by Coretta Scott King. And it's just, we just have to change. And that, that's my vision right now, just, 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 to, just to build a generational wealth and, and help others build generational wealth through our firm. You, 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 you said, you mentioned a term that we have, and we're, we need to do an episode about it. Mm -hmm. Generational wealth. Mm -hmm. Who's what? Who or when? Where? Like, tell me the first time you saw in person generational wealth. Like, <laughs> obviously, you know, you play in the major leagues and seeing, like you said, guys making twenty, thirty million dollars. Like, like, what was what? What did you see and realize? Like, that's not just you know rich for a couple of years. Like, that's true generational wealth that I'm looking at. Well, I mean, of course, I, was, I saw Steinbrenner in the uh, locker room one day, and I said, that, that's, that's wealth right there. He's like, he's had a certain, so, certain air about him. Yeah, huh? so I, I'm not trying to steal somebody's joke, but someone, a comedian said, said, um, it's like Shaquille O'Neal is rich. Mm. The, the man that signs his check 
is wealthy, right? Oh, yeah. As Chris Rock, I suppose. Absolutely. But, but so, but it, it, I was uh, sitting, uh, sitting in my locker room, got my first big league check, right? It's two weeks, like 30000 and some change. I was like, oh, man, I feel great, you know? Mm. Little guy, you know, doing good for myself. And Johnny Damon comes up to your boy, Johnny Damon comes up to me and says, hey, let me see that, man. I said, here you go, man. He says, oh, oh, that's no. nice, man. Oh, that's no. nice. He said, check this one out. It's like $589,000 for two weeks. I was like, God dang. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, man, you'll get there. You'll get there one day, man. You'll get oh, there wow. one day. I was like, God dang. I, and, and I remember A-Rod, uh, they were saying he was making 1.1 net every two weeks. After everything said and done. Net. Woo. That's a lot of money. <laughs> Not to put your business out there, my man. but In yeah, New York City, he's oh, 1.1 net. Isn't that crazy? It's every, a lot of Every money. two weeks? It's a lot of could money. You, what, what could you do with that? Man, never had to punch a clock again. <laughs> never had to punch a clock again. Yeah, and, I mean, so I mean, you're talking about it, right? Like, you know, we started the year, and Cuff and I got our hands in a lot of different business ventures and mm-hmm. whatnot. And I'm trying to get to what I, I deem it. I call it uncharted territory. Yes. Like I'm trying to change the trajectory of my bloodline. Like I, mm-hmm. I want to get to a space to where where no no man that I know has gone before. It's like a Star Trek episode right there. Something like that. Man. Like, <laughs> I love it. And you know, I'm, and, I'm a Trekkie by the way. I'm sorry. And it's okay. I'm really a nerd, man. Just to it's, be honest with you, man. man look, just FYI. I'm not. I'm not that prototypical like jock. I'm. I'm so why, I, I, so I was a Hoosu kid. I was a straight A. I'm, I'm a nerd, so man. Why we wanted you on the show. Go ahead. No, I, I say that because it's not even about like the the money part. Like I mean, it plays a role. I mean, like it, it, you know, anybody tells you they don't want to have a certain amount of money and resources is a, li- is a liar. Yeah. But it's the it's the like you say like you know you, you see Steinbrenner like you can like oh that is yeah that's a different level of <laughs> yeah. of, of resource a different level different level of of being if you yes will. absolutely and so my my thing is like I'm trying to get to a space to where literally no one that I've ever encountered in, in my life has ever occupied before. Yeah. And you know, it was you know, if you want to do something that's never been done, you got to do something that's never been done, right? And so I have stretched myself on multiple levels, from information to education, uh, on, on multiple levels to 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 speed that process up. Like yeah. I think I've kind of found my lane, and I, I think I'm definitely going in the right direction for sure. Absolutely. One thing I will say is you can't be scared. Oh right? no. Like like one thing about this stuff is like, if you want to do something, just do it. Fail quickly, but just do it. And and the the faster you fail, you know, okay, that didn't work. Let's do something different, right? But you can't be scared to to, to make to make gigantic leaps. A lot yeah. of people, a lot of people in this country, a lot of people in, our, in in society are scared to take chances on themselves. And you know, and most people, some people can't. I mean, just call it what it is. I mean, I call it the eighty twenty rule, right? 80, like like. Twenty percent, like eighty percent of the work is done by twenty percent of the people, right? But at the end of the day, it, the people that are the twenty percenters are the ones that are taking chances on themselves, that are doing things, that are creating things, that are that are not afraid to fail. Like how many times do you think Bill Gates and those guys failed? Thousands of times. My perspective is like, you know, Fifty Cent get rich or die trying, but like literally, like you said, it. Like you can either choose to, you know, everyone wants to get to a certain level of success, blah blah blah, right? Like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't believe everybody does because if they did, because if they did, they would do it. Well, no, here's the thing. Yeah, people are paralyzed by it's it's either over analysis or mm-hmm. it's just it's it's over analysis. It's uh, one of the first one of the I think the second or third episode of the show. There's a gentleman named Jonathan Scott. And he mm-hmm. told us about the four E's, mm-hmm. and I can't, they can't remember the order, but he said. Uh, it's experience, mm-hmm. exposure, uh, environment, and expectations. I like that. So it's one of those things to where 
yeah, you can have somebody like, man, I I, I want to do X, Y, Z and be successful, mm-hmm. right? Like, I want to be a marine biologist. Mm-hmm. Well, if that person's never been in the ocean, mm-hmm. if they never met anybody who's got a marine biology degree, if they don't know, they don't know the first thing about. So it's like they're just behind the eight ball because they they could have all the want to in the world, but they don't even know where to start. Well, yes and no, because here's the deal, right? I could say I want to fly to the moon right now. And if I wanted to fly to the moon, guarantee you'll see my, my butt on CNN on a rocket in about, in about six years. Because if you want to do something, you figure out how to do it versus just saying, I want to do it, but I'm going to sit here and wait. Well, that's, that's, the, big, that's the biggest thing we've talked about on the show. Like mm-hmm. pe- people say they want to do but it's it's literally taking the first step. Mm-hmm. You take the first step. You take a second step, mm-hmm. and you take steps three and four, and you know, it might be a thousand step process, but oh, you'll yeah. never get anywhere if you don't take step one. Exactly, you can't be worried about step five hundred or or seven fifty. Yeah. If, you, if you're if you're afraid to take one, mm-hmm. you'll never get to the other end of it. Hundred percent, man. It's uh, I, I believe it's you know Nipsey Hussle. God, God, God bless his soul. He, I, I saw an interview of him. He said, you know, if you think about it, you start doing whatever it is you're trying to get done. You start your process, mm-hmm. and you, 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 when you start, you don't know how long it's going to take. But the last thing you can do is quit. He's like, you might look up and be like, damn, I spent two years doing whatever, and I'm only 25% of the way there. But he's like, you think about it, you're 25% of the way there. Mm-hmm. If you'd never started, you're still stuck at zero. Well, one thing I've always said is that anything easy is not worth having. Come on now. Uh, and, and things are hard for a reason. Uh, and people, I think people need to stop looking over at, into their neighbor's yard and really start focusing on their own personal well-being and then really just do what do what's in your your world your bellywick to do and stop focusing on oh i saw this person on social media doing this i'm going to try that cuz that's what's going on right now oh, that's a matrix yeah it's a, it's you a get stuck you get, you get stuck in this matrix you're like okay this 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 you're you're, you're doing all of this stuff versus just staying on the path so stay on your path get write, write it down stay on the path this is what i got to do today this is what i got to do tomorrow and do that don't do anything else but that because there's so many distractions out there that will keep you from doing what you want to do. Uh, I tell my wife that all the time. I said, well, you say you want to do all this stuff, but get off of social media, focus on this, and then really, really just, just, just bang out what you got to do, man. That, that's, that's, that's number one rule of business. Number one rule of business is just do what you say you're going to do and do it a lot of times. Like I read, I read this book called The 10X Rule or whatever. Grant Cardone. Yeah, yeah. And now I, I really wasn't a fan. I thought it was really salesy, kind of. But at the end oh, of the it, day, it is salesy. But there, but there's a method to yeah, it. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. It's like, yeah, just put it all in place and and put your make make audacious goals and just and just go and get it. Like that's my whole philosophy. Like just go and get it. I don't know. I may not. I may not know how to go get it, but I'm gonna figure out a way to. to I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna align myself with people that have done it and then go and get it. You know what BP told us the very first episode of the show? Well, you'll appreciate it. He said, if you fi- if you look up and you realize that you're the smartest person in the room. In the wrong room. Yeah. In the wrong room. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He said, you, you need to get in a different room. Mm-hmm. Like, what what can you learn? Because like you, to your point, like you said at the very beginning of the show, nobody knows everything. Mm-hmm. And so you realize, like, man, like, I'm literally, I'm, I'm the brightest one in here. Like, you, you get to a different room. You got you to gotta put yourself around people that are doing better than you. <clears throat> That's one thing I've learned about life. Get yourself around people that are doing better than you are, and then you you have no other choice but to ascend to those levels. Or you'll wash out. <clears throat> or you'll just wash out. Yeah, exactly. Man, this has been fun. It's always fun, man. Thank you guys for having me, oh, man. This no is a problem. great great stick, man. Hope I gave you guys some uh, some pretty good stories there. I hope I didn't bore you too much, no, man. No, you're good. You're good. So, mm-hmm. uh, we've reached part of the show. Mm-hmm. Where we call it landing the plane. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's a round table, very similar to this. There are five other seats at the table, sir. Mm-hmm. You get to have five guests at your table. The only stipulation is that you can't have God at your table. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting concept. There, it's too easy. Well, I mean, yeah. No, not necessarily because I guess everybody has different different beliefs. I'm not going to tell you about mine. Well, well, you just say I, I usually <laughs> say religious entity because okay. you know I don't want to offend anybody. Yeah, yeah. See how yeah, that worked yeah. out, Adam. Yeah, you see how yeah, that happened. See, last yeah. week I said I went ahead and said God, and yeah. Cuff like was like, "Well, that's the first time you said it." Well, like mm. I just you know we're in that age, people believe in what they believe in. So you know, yeah. the only stipulation is you can't have a whatever religion man, entity I, you believe in. I don't know, man. So I I, I got to pick. So I got to pick five. Five people, dead or alive. <sighs> oh my God. Well. Barack Obama's one for sure for me. No problem. Uh, uh, I, I, I can talk to him. And mine are a lot of, a lot of comedians, especially a lot of dead comedians. There's no right, there's no right or wrong answer. <clears throat> I mean, I can, see, I can talk to Richard Pryor. He's got to be great. He'd be funny. That'd be awesome. He'd be awesome, right? Um, uh, do you know what else? Red Fox. Red Fox did a lot for African-American community. Matter of fact, I'm not sure if you guys know this. He was he's one of the first ones when he got his own show. He started putting his people on the show to get them on and up and running. I love that fact about him. Um, here's one for you, Marcus Aurelius. There Marcus Aurelius, go. man. Great, I love history. No, great, I believe you're the first person to say that. Great, great orator, great leader. He was a Stoic, and I think he what he. What he did and what and, and, and he grew up in a, in a wealthy environment, but he didn't act as if he was better than. He kept his feet on the ground. Hundred percent. I like I like I like I like that. So that is that three. That's four. That's four. Richard Pryor, Barack Obama, Red Fox, Marcus Aurelius. You get one more. Oh man. Oh man, that's crazy. You know what? I don't know, man. It's 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 just. I. I <laughs> I mean, my, my favorite scientist of all time, I hope, I hope he can speak my language if I spoke with him, spoken with him, is, was Albert Einstein. I read, I read his books. Uh, I, I loved everything about him. I mean, I, I, the, the, the funny thing was when I actually saw his story live in regards to like the, the, the movie version of it, I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Like how he, he treated his, his former wife and all that. I didn't like all that. But at the end of the day, the reason I liked him is because he had that drive. He had that, that the ultimate drive and vision, man, and he just didn't stop. It was almost like the, the greatest people on this earth who create things are a little weird, right? They're on, they're on the edge. They're on the edge, right? They're on the edge in the sense of I got, it's, it's, it's in the simplest form, like I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get to somewhere that no mm-hmm. one's been before, mm-hmm. whether it's creatively, whatever field they're in. Mm-hmm. Like you got to be willing to go. Well, we we view it as the edge, but you're really just taking it. Whatever, if somebody did this ten thousand times, I'm gonna do it eleven thousand times. Yeah, and I'm gonna see what what, what it looks like when somebody does this eleven thousand times. My, my wife thought I was crazy. I would be waking up at two in the morning, studying for my test, and working all day, and then and then working at night, getting all this stuff done. She's like, man, you're just you're just you're just you're just crazy about this stuff. I said, you gotta be. I said, if you want to be successful in this life, you gotta work harder than everybody else. And you gotta put, you gotta put the time in. I say, if you don't put the time in, you're never gonna have anything. And that's just what I live by, man. Like, it's the, it's the, and I, I, I could throw Kobe. I, I, it's, and and you know what? R.I.P. to Kobe. I, I'll, I'll I'll let Kobe. I'm not gonna say. I, I'll, I'll give you a Co- six Co- man. Kobe. Kobe can have Kobe can have my seat, and I'll stand up. Okay. All right. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll let you have a six man. Yeah, table. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, of, man. I mean, I guess well, that's a lot of basketball legends I want to talk to too. But anyway, yeah. That's I guess that's what I got because I just like people with have drive and charisma and just leaders. 
leadership is the most important thing to create in business. Like if you're a leader, and not everybody's a leader though. Not everybody can lead. Like, like there's certain people that can walk into a room and, and, and you kind of look at it like, okay, he's something different about that person. Like, you, you know, those people that come in and like, but you have the other people that come here, you just don't even, you just don't even notice them. Mm-hmm. Right. But some people can walk into a room and it's like, everybody kind of like, you know, just gets up a little bit like, okay, this guy's different. And that, and that's the, that, that's the persona that, that a lot of those guys had, man. They're, they're just different, man. I, I respected that. Right, let me flip the script on you. Mm-hmm. What is today's version of Kevin Thompson, owner of Nine Innings Capital, what are you telling yourself five years ago? So you're looking back. Okay. What are you telling him? I would tell him to focus on growing a business, but but don't focus too much on the the po- politics behind the business. All the other stuff that's going to come p- politics-wise, whether it be leadership or partnerships or all the other stuff that's out there that, that's trying to tell you what you can or cannot do, focus on what you want to do and go 100% and leave fire. Like, I'm a big guy. I leave fires behind me. Yeah, I got to go back and clean it up. But I, I, just, just run and run as fast as you can and build as quickly as you can and bring others along with you and show them how to build with you to help you grow the business and multiply the business. I, that's what I would say. Stop, stop doing it alone is what I would say. Stop doing everything alone and bring others with you to help you multiply the business. Before I ask you the final question, mm-hmm. for those listening, watching, getting to see your face and hear your story for the first time, mm-hmm. how can they get a hold of you? Social media, email address, website. Oh, I mean, obviously it's not in East Capital, but how can I get a hold of you? Yeah, the website's www.9inniescapitalgroup.com. You can go to Facebook and type in 9 Capital Group. And we have our Facebook page there. You can go to SoundCloud and iTunes, listen to our podcast at 9 Capital Group. Go to our YouTube channel and type in 9 Capital Group there. You'll see our YouTube channel. We have all of our um, social media posts and things like that there. And, uh, of course, you can go to Apple iTunes and type in uh, not, uh, MLB to CFP to get the book uh, there, which is a book about a story about me playing in the MLB and then, of course, going with Alan Stanford and then, of course, going where I am today and building this business. I think it's a good, interesting story. Last question. Mm-hmm. Look ahead five years from now. Mm-hmm. What is that version of Kevin Thompson telling you current day? It's, it's, we're a hundred billion dollar, we're a hundred, we're a hundred million dollar business at this time. We have five a successful quote unquote African American advisors, their, their families and everything is taken care of because you helped build them and show them a different way to, to do this. They're, they're ecstatic because you, I've helped change their lives and, and they're, they're willing to, to go the extra mile and fight and, and, and be on the team to do, do whatever it takes. Cause that's all it is about leadership, right? You know you're a good leader when people are willing to to run in the middle of a of, of a inter- intersection for you, right? And and that's what it's about. Like I want to have people around me that are willing to fight, blood, sweat, tears, and to create something that's that's truly one of the best black-owned businesses in the financial industry. One of the the largest black-owned business in the financial industry eventually, and where we have a voice, where we can literally be on CNBC in the middle of the day talking about how we did it, why we did it, why we did it, and, and how we're going to continue to do it and grow. 
Kevin Thompson, thank you, sir. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you guys. Thank no you problem. for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ryan Mosley. Thank you again to our guest, Kevin Thompson, the owner of Nine Innings Capital here in Fort Worth. And uh, we'll see you guys next week another great episode of the Vision Lab Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.